Welcome to the Behind the Goals podcast, the podcast about fans, for fans and by fans. Please welcome your hosts, Andrew Jenkin and Alan Russell. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Behind the Goals. This week we have uh, a guest on the show called Mr. Martin Myers, a fascinating character who's got a very interesting background, um, originally in football, having been a FIFA uh, licensed match agent, uh, and then later setting up a company called Adventure Kicks, uh, through which he's done trips to Gambia with Glasgow Girls, and, and latterly Airdrie Supporters Trust uh, on a trip to Mongolia. Uh, both really interesting stories, which you'll hear more about in the interview. And then towards the end of the interview, we start talking to Martin about his new adventures as he's turned his back on football uh, and his new love of futsal, which, as we find out, is very different to football. Yeah, and you'll hear the passion and enthusiasm in his voice when he starts talking about futsal it's, it seems to have taken over his, his life as his, as his new love uh, in terms of sports so um, you'll learn a lot about futsal if you're not if you're not very familiar with the sport already if you are familiar with it you'll learn a lot about you know Martin's take on it and uh, and where it is in Scotland Martin thank you so much for joining us in our office here in Falkirk um, I wanted to ask you firstly about what it's like being a, a licensed FIFA match agent, or previously having been a licensed FIFA match agent? Uh, well, thanks for asking me along. Um, yeah, a bit of a strange one, really. I suppose it's just one of those sort of avenues of life that you never thought you'd quite find yourself sort of walking into, but it, it all came about through various different things that I was trying to do, um, a combination of things under goodwill and charity and 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 I, and I kind of had done that for a sustained period, and at some point, goodwill evaporates. So there needs to be some some form of commercial activity that 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 gets people embedded into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at both at both yeah. ends, yeah. Um, and I, I was engaging with um, football um, associations around the world um, in Africa and Asia, and. The whilst there was excitement about some of the things I was trying to do for them, a lot of it was about football development. So I did a bit of research and thought, what can I do? What can I bring to the table? And just stumbled across this FIFA licensed match agent. I thought, well, what's this? I bet that'll be expensive. Or <laughs> and you know, it, it was um, relatively straightforward. Um, other than that, I had to go to Hamden for a meeting, mm. and it was basically a business proposal. So uh, if if we give you this license, what will you use it for? And you know, do you understand the sort of parameters that you need to work in and things? And and, and I have to say, they were they probably wouldn't mind me saying this, but they were quite resistant in that. You know, there's been some quite big names within Scottish football who've been given the license and, and haven't really fared too well. Okay. And I think um, they were trying to sort of say to me, "This will probably happen because you're not a name. You know, I'm a nobody. Yeah. Really, you've got you haven't got a football career behind you or contacts." And the way I, I sort of my business plan was, look, this this is really to give me a bit of credibility in terms of if I'm contacting people. Look, I'm, I'm not just I'm not just some idiot who's trying to wing something. I, I, there's there's a bit of credibility with a with a FIFA badge, albeit at the time FIFA wasn't very credible. Um, you know, whilst SEP was sure. was still um, you know parading around doing all sorts of things, but I, I felt it was it was the right thing to do, and I think they felt that because it wasn't my sole focus, it wasn't my sort of 
income or my revenue stream. It was my, um, I guess, it, it, using it to have a wee bit of a social impact, a social responsibility side of thing. They, they said, well, you know, actually, it's a wee, it's quite refreshing what you're looking to do with it, and and, and they, they signed me off and. Yeah, and it, just all of a sudden, I was a, a licensed match agent. Um, so give, give us the very basics of what that involves. So it effectively gives you a license to procure games that FIFA would recognise. So um, right down to any kind of level of friendly. Um, I mean, for for example, on some of the chip trips that I've done, I've gone to the Gobi Desert, and you know we've staged games in the Gobi Desert. Uh-huh. You know, so you can effectively um, ha- put a license in place. For FIFA to recognise those sort of games, yeah. um, so that's in, in its sort of loosest form, if you like. I think in reality, it's the, the the role's not really used. You know, the SFA was saying, you know, the last time we did it was when they played Brazil uh, down at uh, down in England. Okay, yeah, Wembley. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's rare, isn't it? You know, um, there's Brazil's probably a good example because they do do things like that quite a lot. So if you've if you're lucky enough to have a relationship with a, you know, with with a country like that, then there's benefit to it. But the, the reality is, it's and and you know, football is the kind of world where people are generally wanting paying rather than to pay for things, um, and also I would prefer to do it in house or with people they know. So it's it was a it's a tough environment to try and break into or trying to do anything with. Um, but as I say, it, it it just allowed me opportunities that, I, that you know that I don't think would have come to me without it. Mm. Yeah. And and you mentioned the, the Gobi Desert there. You also did some stuff with the Adronian Supporters Trust. Was is that where they they went to? No. That's right. Yeah. 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 So um, so we we went to Mongolia for um, just under a couple of weeks. Um, so again, that that was under the guise of Adventure Kick. So that mm. was really where a lot of these things started. It was. I, I was doing things in with, with uh, in countries in Africa with with academies and you know uh, sending kits out and things. And that's where the introduction came from. I was I was dealing with a, a UK charity called Kit Aid, um, who are massive now. They, but very very intelligent. In what they do, they basically they get kits off clubs and then say to you, right, come down, you box them up, and then you deal with shipping them because okay. that's the problem. Yeah. Getting the kits isn't the problem. It's getting them to where you want them to be is the problem. Because I remember going to Celtic Park one day thinking I was going to get a couple of shirts and I was given eight boxes. <laughs> and you go under what, I don't know what stand it is, you go under the stand and it's a warehouse and it is top to bottom. And wow. and, and I can remember having the conversation, clubs incinerate stuff because mm. they can't get rid of it. Because yeah. if it's alcohol advertising, they can't give it out again. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're in an absolute quandary. What do we do with this? So, you know, some sucker comes along and says, I'll take them. Then it was like, whoa, let's get rid of a load of these, you know. Save them an incineration. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'd, I'd, I'd had a reasonable relationship with, with Kit Aid. Um, and then uh, the the chap that was running it put me in touch with somebody from the Adrianian Supporters Trust who they were looking to do something like a sort of kit amnesty. Um, so what we did was they got a load of kits in. Um, we basically got a couple of boxes that, that um, they'd collected from fans and we managed to get them out to Mongolia um, and the first thing that we did was there was a, a local club that were playing in the Mongolian Premier League at the time basically took a, a squad set of Airdrie uh, strips and started playing in them um, and they were quite an innovative, innovative club um, so they were doing a lot of 
social media and they had like um, TV cameras following them. So there was a big whole series and there were these boys playing in, in the air ships. You can imagine we kind of got the uh, photograph of the lads, you know, behind the goal at the, at the Excelsior Stadium and then uh, by angle in Mongolia, sort of, the, sort right. of before and after. And um, yeah, it just really sort of caught the imagination of everyone. I think that really helped the kit aid um, amnesty program that they did at the club and they're still doing it to this day mm. so shortly after that um, did because uh, I think um, who was the other club I think it was Forfa um, that were also working um, working with Kit Aid so they, they played a game basically so they invited me over and um, they had a little sort of family fair day and we sat down and a couple of guys just came up to me and said oh, I'd love to go to Mongolia and <laughs> You know, I think probably nine, ten months later, there we were in in Mongolia. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, a, you know, it was a, a smallish group, about a dozen or so of us. Um, but yeah, it 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 just became a a kind of a, a trip to um, go and meet these people that had got their strips, go and play some football. Uh, they did some fundraising, so the guys basically before they left fundraised um, and. We were working with um, a gentleman, Dave, Dave Scott, who you've met. So he's the uh, honorary consul for Mongolia in Scotland. So he brings with him kind of political links and cultural links and things. So we the trip just basically chucked it all together. And the, 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 the fundraising got them enough money to basically rehome um, a number of families. So in Mongolia, families, a lot of families still live a, a sort of a nomadic style. And they live in the Gers, and what happens is, um, as the cold winters that were 10, 20, 15 years apart are now getting less and less and less through climate change, these big migrations are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and people are moving from their sort of herder lives to the outskirts of these what are really quite poor areas with nothing. Um, and basically, what the lads had done was were, was able to donate Gers. To um, a number of families, so they went and met. You know, went to this town in, in the Gobi Desert, uh, Dundalgov, um, played a game of football there, and you know there was a whole sort of the ceremony to it, and yeah, it was just it was incredible, really. Um, it was a privilege to be involved in it from to, to to have the experience of what they'd done and what they achieved, you know, and it it basically just sort of combined, as I say kicking a football about yeah. donating a couple of kits to all of a sudden you know going out and you know fundamentally changing people's lives well that's that's the power of football isn't it yes really? it's just that you know people have an interest in football that's what brings them together those guys probably yeah. wouldn't know each other if they didn't have a love of their journeys yeah being able to do all of that is brilliant so yeah. you did this you did this under adventure kicks that's right um, which is a company you set up to help sort of initiate trips abroad for, for groups and teams as well so um yeah. The, the Adrian guys got put up for an award, didn't they, as a result of the kind of work that they've done? Yeah, a few awards, and, and they were up at um, sort of national adventure awards for, yeah, for because it, it's on the face of it, it's a couple of guys, a few guys going and playing a bit of football. But when you look into the actual the depth of what they did and what they achieved, it was amazing, really. Yeah. All the sort of cultural side of it and um, the charitable side of it. And yeah, so, um, yeah, I, th I think when, 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 
people sort of looked in to see what they did. They were quite amazed at what this group had, had achieved in a, a sort of a relatively short space of time. So, mm. yeah, rightly so, they were awarded um, or nominated for a, for a few awards for, mm. for the work that they did. Um, because as I say it wasn't just the trip; it was the, you know, they the, the did fundraisers and and actually they're they're a very very active bunch. Yes. Um, generally at doing all those sort of things, whatever yes. the cause is. Yes, I know. I know a lot of the guys involved in the trust have yeah. done a lot of kind of awareness around uh, cancer research as well, and, and a lot of initiatives like that. Yeah. So. Um, you also went to Gambia as well. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. It's okay. Tell us what that was like. Yeah, so Gambia. I mean, that's, to, to be honest, that's really the catalyst for most of this. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd, I've, I've, to kind of well rewind to give a bit of context. Um, after my my old fella passed away uh, a decade ago now, um, I bizarrely entered this multi-day race across the Sahara. And I needed a, a nice hot weather country to go to in the winter to do some training. And my wife and I were just walking through the White Rose Centre in Leeds and Gambia booked. <laughs> and, and, and we just went to Gambia. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there was this, um, I, I used to run under a name of Kilty Run. I used to have a sport kilt. So I used to run everywhere with this kilt. You can imagine how that went down in Gambia. <laughs> Running yeah. around in a... They yeah. thought it was hilarious. Oh, did they? Oh, no, they thought it was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I was yeah. getting stopped and it was nuts. But uh, so uh, uh, this sort of trip to Gambia completely changed who I am. I, w- I would go as far as saying that. It, it was really quite eye-opening. I'd never witnessed poverty like it. Um, I, I can still sort of feel it now. You know, it really, it really sort of struck me to the core, you know. Um, and... It always kind of stayed with me, and I, I remember going on a trip one day and speaking to this tour guide and said, "You know, I'm going to I'm going to come back here one day. And we'll, we'll do something," and that really sort of drove it. Um, so I'd, I'd I'd made some links with a charity. I did some work. We we I helped them sort of try and um, they had a, a, a it was so it was a charity that dealt with um, education primarily. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that you guys do with Africa on the ball. Um, but what struck me was um, they helped this local village to do a run and it became like a fun run and it was kind of like never really heard of it being done in in a country like yeah, Gambia before yeah. um, and we did things like um, one of the guys managed to get a, a sponsorship deal with Brussels Airlines so the winner of the race got a ticket to anywhere in Europe to go and run Fantastic. so we managed to do three years on the trot we had various different runners that came to Scotland um, just kind of wee bit by accident really because um you know organization shall we say wasn't mm. great um to the point where I, I had a phone call at 10 o'clock at night to say that uh, this last hoja had arrived in london where she's staying <laughs> i don't know it's i had nothing to do with it yeah. so i i <laughs> you know but had to kind of sort that out and you know it, for whatever reason, didn't put me off from doing it again. And we, we had a, 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 a gentleman, Lamin, came up and ran a number of races in Scotland, and um, you know set some uh, national records. And you know we got tried to get all that built up and things. Um, and it all kind of stemmed from that, really. And got into the helped started helping the football academy in the village. Um, the chap that I spoke to and met. Um, was you know a very influential sort of sports journalist and coach and right at this time the sort of FIFA match agent thing was coming in and just pot luck that there was a new um, uh, executive coming 
to the Gambian Football Federation because the one before it had had some issues, shall we say, and had a conversation about um, trying to get a women's football team across there. And again, just circumstances and right time. And yeah, we managed to get Glasgow girls out to, to go for a, a trip for a week and played a number of games. So this was um, in the build-up to the the last Women's World Cup. So it was the Live Your Goals campaign. Mm. So we tagged it to Live Your Goals and they went out and they did this community coaching day and um, some of the girls were teachers and did stuff like that and they played a number of games and they played the, the Gambian Women's National Team. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, we might, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. And just at the, at the same time, uh, Hope Powell was out there I was doing a FIFA instructor's course. Wow. So she came to a couple of the games. Right. And, and was this in um, Banjo? Yes. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It? Uh, well, Sarah Kunda. Okay. Um, just, just yeah. the, we couldn't get the, we didn't get the independent stadium. It was actually under refurb, but it probably would have been a wee bit dwarfed yeah. with, with yeah. the crowd, you know. This really was pioneering something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it really was, I mean, the, the attendances were, were pretty good. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, we had a couple of thousand people at oh, one of the games. Really? And, and one of the games that was at a school, there was about 1,500 people packed oh. in, uh, honestly. Uh, you know, health and safety was yeah. not quite present. But, um, yeah, also, you know, men, women, children watching the games, yeah. you know, it genuinely did break down barriers, yeah. Gen you know, genuinely. Um you know, so to to be part of that in in a country where I'd been like seven eight years before and been quite emotionally sort of touched by it, mm -hmm. um, to then go and do that, um, and 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 you know see see Glasgow girls do what they did and and achieve the things they did, it was uh, that was a, a really that was you know one of the sort of special moments mm -hmm. of life really to, and again as you say to see what football can do, mm -hmm. you know it's it, it you know people are critical of football. Um, critical of football players, but it, it genuinely is a powerful tool, and I've I've, I've seen that. Um, it's, I've seen the good and bad of it, you know, fair enough. But you know, I've seen it in some pretty um, areas where poverty is quite harsh, um, and just to see. I mean, I'm stood sat here looking at the baller ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some of those baller balls that I've I've taken with me to Mongolia and Gambia. Just seeing kids see a football. Mm. You know that that isn't like flat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's you know, and it's just the way it just has, makes their life mm. unreal, absolutely unreal. So um, yeah, Gambia was a was a, a really special trip, and you know, hopefully at some point there there might be a return trip. We'll yeah. we'll see. I know certainly the all the players, you know. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the experience, and you know, I think it, it was two-way. You know, a lot, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the young ladies that went uh, were from, you know, sort of East End of Glasgow. You know, and that has its has its own issues with with poverty and things. Um, you know, and, and and you know, some of the players had never left, you know, um, Strathclyde area, let alone the country or going to Africa. Um, so it was two, you know, it was completely two way, you know, and the the the, the friendships are still there between the various different players, and um, yeah, so it, it was it was a it was a really sort of um, defining moment, I think, mm. to to be able to sort of be involved in something like that. Yeah, no, that's really special. Congratulations to, to for organising it, and and we'll do. Uh, if anyone's listening to this that wants to get in touch and maybe interested in doing a trip and 
uh, Alan's already thinking about the Race Supporters Trust trip to, <laughs> to somewhere I know I can see. Idaho. I would want to go to Idaho. Don't want to stay home in Kokori. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll sort of say how we can get people get in touch with Martin at the end of the show. Um, so moving on, you're, sort of the next step was futsal. And yeah. where, so how did that come about? So you're now in, in the chair of the, uh, the futsal. Scottish physical. Futsal League. Yeah, and how did that come about, and what was because you're obviously clearly a football fan, and, and although the sports are very very similar, um, it's quite interesting that you, you you're sort of are you now more fond of futsal? Than Absolutely, football? yeah, I hate football. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got that so from, from, from your, the, the message you sent me yesterday. Um, so, what drove that? What was the kind of you know? Um, again, I mean, it's all sort of tied into the sort of same sort of story, really. I think without the sort of first bit, none of the, none of this would have would have happened, and it, it, it was all this really linked to Mongolia. So um, probably back in twenty twelve, thirteen, or something, um, started looking at trying to do things out there. Um, started engaging with the football federation, and um, we looked to sort of set up a tournament, and it was five asides. Well, it was seven asides at first because I thought sevens would be good. And they were like, no, no, it's fives. And then this word sort of futsal appeared. And it, I had no idea what it was. Um, like like most people when they first hear it, you know, they've, they've, it's just kind of like, what's that? You know, it's like and this whole sort of sport that's centred around football has eluded us all. It's bizarre. Um, but in this little pocket in, you know, uh, in Asia, I mean, Mongolia is a big country. I think it's a seventh or eighth largest country in the world but the least densely pop- populated so there's like you know, a couple of million people that live in this pocket in Ulan Bator and, and, and there's this thriving futsal scene um, so yeah so the first time I went out I went and watched a couple of games um, and I was just like and I can remember going w- w- one of the times that I went there um, ag- again linked into the sort of football development side of things I was trying to work on there was a, a chap from the Scottish FA came with us um, and the idea was to try and link up the two associations. So at the time, the SFA were working in sort of Malawi and these sort of countries and trying to sort of go out and deliver, batch deliver coach ed uh-huh. to coaches and, you know, then with a view to getting some of them back to the UEFA Bs and things. So, uh, again, just a chance conversation with someone. Um, why don't you look at doing it in Mongolia? Brilliant, great idea out they come um, and we were sat watching uh, futsal um, and, and again just the sort of uh, you know it's not a, a particularly high standard in terms of world futsal um, but just seeing how these players were able to manipulate the ball and this comfortable under pressure and and I just kind of came back and I thought right I want to get involved in this and, and again just by pure and utter luck um I think it was the second time I'd been out. There was um, the league in Glasgow was just sort of kicking off, so it was you know I kind of had a foot in a wee bit before that, but I managed to get myself involved with sort of coaching a club and um, and and you you know yourselves if you've been involved in sort of voluntary roles, Mm. if your heads if if one hair's above the parapet, you're sucked into doing everything, aren't you? And I I very quickly got identified um, to sort of help out with the Glasgow league. Um, 
and yeah, and 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 the sort of the the national executive stuff was a similar sort of thing. I kind of just got roped into going to a meeting, and then I remember coming home saying to my wife, "I'm the vice chairman." <laughs> <laughs> After she slapped me around the face, saying, "What have you done?" Um, I was, you know, I was like, "What's going on?" Sort of thing, you know. Um, but I, I I genuinely was um, hooked by futsal, you know, and and it, it, it goes to sat watching it in. Um, you know, a FIFA goals-funded project in Mongolia, mm. of all, of all places, um, where it's where it's really really vibrant. And the more I learnt, the more I saw it, and the more I've kind of um, you know sort of been to different places and seen it. It's just yeah, I, I'm 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 a total convert. I'm I'm very, I'm at probably this World Cup for the f- football is probably the most football I've watched for a long long time. Mm. Um, probably invigorated a wee bit by England doing not so bad as well. No, I'd say that on this. <laughs> I've said it, <laughs> um, but it, it, I think my sort of falling out of love with football was was as a result of seeing futsal as a wee bit more pure and mm. not quite having. I mean, there's a foul count in foot in futsal, okay. so you're allowed five team fouls per half, and on the sixth foul, you give away a ten meter penalty. So it's you right. and the goalie. So there's two penalty spots, so but this is ten meter. Learning a lot about futsal already because my 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 understanding of futsal before talking to you was very simplistic that it's just tricks and flicks but it's essentially the same but it's, I I knew that probably wasn't true but I'd never found out so give us give us a, a flavour of what futsal is really like yeah so um the, again you know it's part of what we what I think what we need to do is we need to try and break down some of the barriers and some of the misconceptions it's no more skill based than fives than sixes sevens and elevens they're all skill based you know if the more skillful you are the better you'll be. Uh, it's not a prerequisite to playing futsal, and I think that puts a bit of, you know, you, you read Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, you know, they've all played futsal. Oh, I'm nowhere near that level, so I can't play it. You know, to be in fairness, I think the futsal world are a bit lazy with that sometimes. These players would have been the players they are because they're just that good, mm-hmm. whether they played futsal or tiddlywinks. Yeah. The reality, um, I think, the difference is when you look at like you look at the age groups, like look at Spain. And the 17s, 19s, 20s, 20, they're just the, the level across. Mm. I think that more highlights the culture they've been brought up in, as in futsal. Mm. Um, the main difference is really, I mean, it's from fives, you know, it, it's, it, it is football more than fives in terms of there's a court, you know, so there's, there's marked lines, there's no walls to hit off. Okay. Um, you, you, so you play to a line, there's, um, there's not the sort of silly letterbox goals, you know, waist height, you know, the sort of two by three metres, so it's handball. And ball size, um, the ball's different, so it's a size four. Um, it's reduced bounce. Again, there's a misconception that it's heavier. It's not heavier. Okay. It's just if you used a football on a hard surface, it'd be away. Yeah. Bounce, you know. So it's a different ball to suit the condition that you're playing it in, sort of a, sort of a harder surface. Um, you know, so it's 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 a ball, a court, and some goals and some rules. So it's not massively, massively different, but. Um, the, the the rules are there to suit the game so that as I say you've got the the five fouls so on the sixth foul you're giving away the 10 metre penalty so you're going to stop people being petulant aren't you the other one yeah well you mentioned to me why I didn't try it and that's probably uh, just give away too many fouls <laughs> yeah. complete liability for my team. well you, you soon learn okay people, people do learn um, getting sent off <laughs> uh, well, well, but just just giving a foul away yeah because if that's yeah. a sixth foul yeah you might be one up yeah and then you've given it away on your own line, mm. or, or, or sorry, you've fouled their goalkeeper. 
it goes back to your goal. It doesn't matter where it is That's on the court. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter where. It, silly foul at, yeah, you know. I mean, it has to be a, a, a direct free kick foul. You know, it's not. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not every single foul. I mean. You get um, booked for, you know, subbing incorrectly with bibs and things. So that's not that doesn't go into the foul count. Okay. Um, but that does alter behaviour. You've also got the the four second rules. So if the ball goes out, the ball's got to be placed down and it's it's kicked in rather than thrown in. Uh-huh. Although there's some debate as to whether that might come back in at some point. But you've got four seconds to play it, so it stops time wasting. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. so the, the, yeah, yeah, there are th- and the the other one in. In, in full games is stop clock so anytime the ball's out of play the clock stops okay. so we, it's 20 minute halves mm. but the reality is I, I've watched I watched a game in Norway it's 52 minutes long the half mm. just right. one half so they, they were talking about it in football last year if you remember and it was uproar or they're just trying to yeah. Sh- yeah. Cut, it, the game wouldn't be cut short yeah. it'd be played you'd probably get more game time but you, you, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it would cut out all. I mean, for a ninety-minute game of football, how often is the ball out of play? Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. It, it, it infuriates the hell out of me. I think I saw somewhere that for every half of football, it's only in play for thirty-something minutes or something like that. So I, I, I think you'd be lucky to see that in, yeah. in a lot of games as well. Yeah. Um, especially now with VAR. Sure. You know, because uh, the time doesn't get added on like it should do. Mm-hmm. And how many times do you see in a five-minute injury time? Someone wastes three minutes, mm. but they still only do the five minutes. Mm. So you've got away with cheating. So it's yeah. a pure. You know? yeah, I can totally understand what you're saying. It's a pure because that is one of my major yeah. gripes about yeah. modern day football. Yeah. It's the amount of time wasting that goes on um, yeah. in men's football. Um, so you got involved. You mentioned Ballard. They're, they sponsor the footballs for the league. Yes, that's right. Um, so again, all linked into the sort of. The story, really. Um, I was away. Um, which trip was it? I think it was the Mongolia trip. Um, and I just I messaged into the website and just said, "Look, I've uh, this. This is kind of what I do. I've got a trip. Do you do you want to sort of donate a couple of balls and we'll use them on one of the trips? Um, and there's this trip coming up to Gambia. It'll be something run. You know, that'll be recognised by FIFA and it's get your balls. And um, so it started from that, and then. I came back, I shared some photographs with Angus, uh, went and had a meeting and just on the off chance had a chat about futsal and asked me about the market and I said, look, there's an opportunity here. Um, if you want to have a chat about getting you guys involved in futsal, um, I can get our chairman in and let's have a, let's have a chat about it. And it, it just stemmed from that. Um, and, you know, thankfully they were happy to invest in the sport um, and become our exclusive match ball supplier. So all um, the teams play with the same Palace bubble? Every Scottish Football League game. Yeah. So obviously teams play outside of that. Sure. It's yeah. up to them. Yeah. A lot of them are, we, we absolutely encourage them to. Yeah. There are one or two that have other deals and use their own balls or you know maybe want to find somebody that's potentially a wee bit cheaper. But we say, look, for every game, every every kick of a ball within a Scottish Football game, is is available um so that, that's just the end of two years so we, we're now just going into the sort of next stage of of the agreement so yeah that's been going for i've been to our third season now which mm-hmm. you know stood the, the test of time and you know we've got guys that have come up and played the game that have played all, all over the world and you know the, the, there's not been any negative feedback the the products one of the best products around Excellent. but if not the best that, yeah. that, that, that we've We've used personally, and say we've got guys that play international and have been to UEFA Cups yeah. that are using the yeah. the FIFA ball. Um, so you say it's in the third year. How how quickly is it 
has it grown? Has there been more teams every year? Or? So we've we've plateaued a wee bit, but the, the so the development has, has has grown in terms of when I when I got involved, as I say, it was just at the end of the being a one city league, and there was then startup leagues. So that was the part of the SFA mandate. So there was help and support, financial support to help that as well. Um, so we, we but but we had a a number of regional leagues played in isolation and then those winners came together on a weekend okay. and just battered lumps out of each other for one, three one days one weekend of chaos y- yes yeah and, and, and it, it was not ideal especially with the, the intensity of futsal so we then tried to we had a plan to try and bring in a national league away down the line however um, we decided to bring that forward and you know rightly or wrongly that's that's what we went with and the first year we did a a sort of condensed sort of 10 12 week program um, and then last year was the first standalone so we now have a standalone uh, national division mm. playing in centrally organized venues that are all full court and they're all stop clock so what that means is that it's as close to replicating the uefa competition yeah. as we can possibly get it um, rather than expecting teams playing on smaller courts for just 40 minutes to then go and play professionals, not only playing professionals, but playing on a bigger court and for longer. So we've now, we've not changed the professional bit um, because we can't, because we're governed by Scottish Amateur, but we've changed the facility part and the game time part. So that's the development, which has been massive. And how many teams are in the league around Scotland? Um, So we've got a Super League with 10. Um, Overall, last season we had 52 teams. Okay. across wow. the four regional leagues um, we're hoping to have five regional leagues and the coverage is throughout Scotland yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so the, the, so we've got Glasgow Edinburgh Perth and Dundee at the moment we have had Stirling and Aberdeen fortunately they've fallen away hopefully have a, a sort of Falkirk area one um, coming up again this season um, facilities are a big issue mm. and also having local people to run it and drive it uh-huh. And that's 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 a wee bit of an issue. When it when they first started, the football development officers at the SFA were there. Okay. Um, that was part of the initial sort of deal to get it up and running. That's not quite the same anymore. So, um, but it, venues are the big problem. Okay. Certainly for the Super League because we're saying that we need a court that's the twenty by forty meters. Okay. And we need it for four hours to play just two games because mm. the stop clock. So. You know that's a lot of court time on in venues that are hard to get. Yeah. You know, so what's that, the typical that, size of a of a sports hall in a in a, in a in a typical community? Well, if you look at, I mean, I've I've predominantly sort of helped out with the the Glasgow League, is where I'm based, um, and I've probably seen the vast majority of the facilities. The big problem with Glasgow Life is, which is sort of very typical. A lot of the halls are four badminton courts. Yeah. Right. So that's that's limiting. Some of them might be four and four. Uh-huh. But so that's restricting the, the hall size. So that basically means if it's if it's four, then you've probably got twenty eight thirty meters in length. Okay. We're looking for full courts so forty. Court yeah. Well, f- even five's not big enough. Okay. Now for for regional leagues that would be fine, the five court. So what so what we're looking for really is sort of sixteen by about thirty five, and a lot of the halls they're not even that that's just for regional activity. They're, they're nowhere near that. So then it's even harder to get the ones for the national activity. 
And because they're then all four, you've got basketball playing there, netball and all these other sports who are performance sports or recognised under yeah. Sports Scotland. They get priority. We don't. So we're just feeding around for scraps, unfortunately. Um, but one of the big frustrations is there, there, there is investment. Facilities are being built. They're just not being built big, big enough for futsal. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fastest growing indoor sport in the world, bar none. Yeah. But but yet not one of the facilities, facility managers or people that are involved in the, the procurement of new infrastructure even know what the yeah. sport is. Yeah. So how can they be facilitating? The standard new build seems to be four badminton court, badminton yeah. court size. Yeah, right? yeah. Right. But even even yeah. some of the universities, yeah, even some of the universities are building new university sports halls that aren't big enough for futsal. Yeah. You know, uh, there's, there's East Ren. I'm, I'm East Ren based. There's new schools in East Wren, and, and, and they're all, they're not big enough, mm-hmm. you know. We were really lucky, Perth College, the, 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 my predecessor, uh, um, who, who basically drove the sport 20 years ago to, to where it is today, had a, a relationship with someone at Perth College, and they actually made the hall bigger, right. so we could get a full court in there. You know, you can imagine that was a yeah. tough conversation, but that was through friendships and relationships over a, over a long period of time, and and being able to kind of get that through and, and selling it to the university, uh, to, yeah, to, to, to the college, Perth College. Um, that's unfortunately a, a, a rarity for us. Um, you know, so I was just at a university just the last week that, you know, it, there's a new centre being opened, but it's just not going to be big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, plus then you'd have issues of accessibility. Sure. That's the other thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, a question, and, and you might not like the question, so I apologise in advance. <laughs> Is there an argument that if you develop good futsal players, this, the standard of football would improve? Because you're, you're, presumably you're getting more time on the ball per player, the ball's coming in quicker to you, mm-hmm. it's a faster speed game. So ultimately that could create better football players, more yeah. technically gifted yeah. players? So, so, so that's the debate, and that's, the, that, that's where fut, futsal is being promoted within football associations. Mm-hmm. They're football associations. So by their very definition, they're not necessarily interested in futsal. It is a, players, yeah. 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 So does does having a futsal structure and a futsal league and putting players into a futsal environment improve footballers? There's studies to prove that, mm-hmm. that, 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 that can quantify that and say, yes, it absolutely does. And you look at players around the world mm-hmm. and you look, you, you know, look at the World Cup Look at the Premier League. You can see who's played futsal. Mm. You'll see the different type of touches, the tall porks, the dragging the ball, the sole foot. You look at the Spurs boys. Mm. Look at Gareth Southgate. Look, anytime he has an interview at St. George's Park, where is he? He's in the futsal hall. Right. Every time. When they did that NFL-style press thing oh, for yeah. the World Cup, yeah. futsal hall. It's uh-huh. so all, all in the futsal hall. He's mm. been driven by their, from the very centre of, of the English FA. They're starting to try to catch up a wee bit. The problem that you have is when you have to understand the first bit to get the benefit of the second bit. Mm-hmm. So if you don't understand the game of futsal and how the game's played and the environment that's required, you're then not going to get the knock-on benefits of the football players. So if, you, if your starting point is to play futsal to get better footballers, it's not going to work because you've not learned the futsal bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is putting a futsal ball on a, on a futsal court and getting people to play football. That's where we're at at the moment. Mm-hmm. There are very few people who have spent any amount of time trying to understand 
what's the bit what's the transferable bit yeah. we need to get that right to have the benefits the fear is in four or five years so it's, so it's in project brave futsal right i think it's coming in this autumn that all the academies cast that they'll all be doing futsal um i mean I, i'm seeing stuff on the internet you know pro rank clubs doing futsal on astro mm. I, I mean it's and these are people that are being paid to do things mm-hmm. so what will happen is when it fails and it doesn't work it'll be futsal that's the problem mm-hmm. not not the the infrastructure yeah. of futsal so you need to get the what you've alluded to what what makes what makes the player better so if you put futsal courts on a football pitch with you know 10 players per court it you'd be 37 v 37 on the futsal on a football pitch as opposed to 11 v 11 mm-hmm. so you've less time less space less time for decisions so what have you got to do you've got you, you've got to protect protect the ball better mm-hmm. you've got to be able to manipulate the ball better you've got to be able to make more decisions quicker mm-hmm. they're the fundamentals at the, the very heart of it that you need to understand before you then get the knock on elsewhere mm-hmm. so that, that's that's where the investment in the game in terms of the coach education and that sort of thing that the governing bodies should be looking at mm-hmm. before we start going well it, you know and 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 it's that that's that's always the that's always a struggle initially it's it's getting you know pro licensed football coaches why do i need to go and sit a course on futsal yeah. i'm a pro licensed football coach i know the game it's a different game yeah. it's like tennis and badminton or tennis and squash um there's probably more similarities between arguably futsal and basketball right. than futsal right. and football 5v5 you can block mm. the strategies yeah. the, the the technical aspects the tactical aspects an, you know it's an interesting idea so could futsal be a, a good development route for basketball players <laughs> so, you know, some, potentially some i mean um who was it um ha- harry harry Maguire, wasn't he saying during the world cup that playing hockey and other sports as a young lad, made him, him uh, right. have made him a better footballer. I, I know Iceland, they, they don't sort of go into any one sport until they're about 13 or well, yeah. maybe yeah. older than that. Yeah. And they don't sort of hone in yeah. on one particular sport and yeah. they say that having those yeah. overall skills yeah. makes you a better yeah. sport. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of coaching sessions out in Spain where, you know, coaches are, are getting players throwing a ball. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. So, so you're not being caught up on your technical deficiencies which are then affect, affecting your learning of your tactical deficiencies. So, so eradicate the bad touch. Let's just throw the ball. I want you to do that and then make that movement. Or I want you to be able to recognise that if he's done that, you've got to do this or she. Um, when the ball's in play, your the, the t- technical deficiencies might affect, a bad touch might affect what you're trying to work on. So eradicate that. Let's yeah. you know. So that's... Potentially, where we bit a crossover yeah. with with a sport like basketball, yeah. potentially. But I, mean, I guess I guess the theme there that you're really you're really getting at is that people actually need to to focus and invest and learn about futsal as players, as coaches, as associations, as spectators for its own for its yeah. own benefits, for its own yeah. characteristics. Yeah. And then once you once you've learned that, once you've specialised that, then things may be transferable. But yeah. you actually, if you just think, well, this is just like this is just football in a, with a couple of different little differences, yeah. you'll play it like football or you'll coach it like football. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's and that's where it is at the moment. And I've spoken to a few football coaches. That's oh, I love futsal. Six, isn't it? Six v six. Mm-hmm. Can't even get the numbers right, yeah. let alone anything else. 
can't get the, the fact that the ball, you know, or the ball's heavier, isn't it? It's not heavier. Yeah. Again, that puts kids off, or it puts kids' coaches off. I don't want kids playing a quick game on a hard surface with a heavy ball. Yeah. Injury. Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. you know. So it, you're right. I mean, I, I was watching, um, the, I think it was the cricket debate a couple of months ago. Um, and it was really quite interesting watching, I think it was Mark Butcher and, um, um can't remember the other chap. But what they were doing was they were talking about 2020 cricket and and test cricket but what they were doing was they were knowledge equally as knowledgeable on both yeah. and we're like we're able to go well actually you Josh um Josh Butler is it Josh Butler I think so. uh, yeah so you know there's a lot of these young lads that are now coming through from 2020 really aggressive mm. that are then taking that into test cricket so it's how how is 2020 cricket affecting the test cricketer mm. They still got to be able to do the sort of the Alistair Cook dig in, but these guys are now coming in and giving it a yes, a twenty twenty yeah. style. Yeah. But the, the commentators had obviously understood both formats yeah. to to better talk about the yeah. two. And I, I, for me, that was quite interesting. Why don't we see that? Watch match of the day, mm-hmm. right? Pep Guardiola is one of the biggest advocates of futsal. Mm. He never really talks about it too much, does he? Mm. So what? Why? Why aren't match of the day? Why aren't we seeing Alan Shearer? Why aren't we, Gary Lineker, why aren't we see them talking about futsal to say, well, actually, do you know what? The World Cup, how, how's England going to be able to play against Croatia? Dominate the ball better? Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps it's if guys are playing under a wee bit more pressure and sure. 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 in a, a different. Oh, right, well, well, maybe they should be playing futsal then, where it does. Yeah. You know, there's, there doesn't seem to be that depth of knowledge. Um, to then allow that sort of those sort of transferable discussions. Whereas I thought it's quite interesting the, the cricket ex, ex cricket players that, that were test cricketers that were probably pre twenty twenty. Yeah. Knowing having a really 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 sound knowledge of twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was quite interesting, and I think it just shows a wee bit of the culture of football sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So a couple of questions. Um, firstly, if anyone's listening to this and they want to try out futsal, when when can they do it? So we've got a big event coming on the 16th of September at uh, the Peak, which is Stirling. A uh, great facility there. We've got uh, it's one of our Super League venues. Um, we've got a, a, basically a, a Scottish Open day, so it's just come along and play. Come as a team, come as an individual, come as a couple of friends. We'll get you a game. We've got um, adult competitions and kids competition too. So it's in partnership with the SFA, so there'll be um, some of the Scottish uh, FA representatives there. There'll be some of the national team players national champions there you know an opportunity to sort of speak to people about their experience of playing UEFA Cup playing in international events uh, and it's, it's just uh, breaking down barriers come and play futsal here's a court here's the goals the ball just come and play um, in terms of the leagues so we, we follow the amateur calendar so all our leagues will be kicking off in the next coming weeks still not too late if you want to get teams in um, you can go on to our uh, scottishfutsal.co.uk website it's a new website we've got up and running and the email is info at scottishfutsal.co.uk um, really quite active on Twitter and social media um, all our regional leagues have got separate accounts as well and we've, we've got one for the Super League um, I would I would suggest that if anyone's listening um, I'm, so Saturday tomorrow the WhatsApp are playing their next UEFA Cup game you'll be able to stream that on 
YouTube oh, wow. uh, and watch it. And, and, and go, you know, if you can sit down yep. and, and yep. watch a wee bit of a, a Scottish team in, in a UEFA competition and yep. kind of get a wee bit of a feel for it, and, and that could very well be you in a couple of years. Yep. It, it's it's that real. Yeah. It's, 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 these guys weren't playing two or three, four years ago, sure. and now all of a sudden they're they're, they're in a UEFA competition. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast will go out after that match, but we'll put something on our social media feed so that people get it straight away and hopefully can uh, get a little taste of that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's a there's a YouTube channel, Scottish Futsal TV, as well, where you'll get some of the game footage from different UEFA Cup trips and some of the Super League games and things. So there's there's you know there's a wealth of resource out there. But yeah, uh, j- just just get in touch through the through the website really. And as I say, if you get the opportunity, come come along to the um, to the Futsal Open Day. It's it's, it's free free to attend. We're not charging anyone. We just want people to come and come and try Futsal. Yeah. Come and break down some of the pre-misconceptions that people have got, yeah. you know. Come and just just kick the ball, yeah. you know. Uh, we've also got a couple of partnerships. We, we've got a partnership with the Chris Mitchell Foundation um, for, for our Scottish Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also partnering us with it for the Scottish Open Day. So there'll, there'll be a few little fundraiser things and raffles that, that we'll go to Excellent. try and give them a few quid very, as well. Very, very worthy cause indeed. Yes. Martin, thank you so much for joining us because you've just answered my second question, which is how people can get in touch with you. So that's perfect. <laughs> so that's info at scottishfootsoul.co.uk or the website scottishfootsoul.co.uk. Thank you again for joining us in the office. That's been fascinating. Yeah, it's been brilliant, Martin. Thanks. No, thanks for asking me in. Appreciate it. Okay, a brilliant interview there with, with Martin. It was great to hear that. Um, I was quite surprised by a lot of that. I was expecting a, a conversation about futsal, but the stories about going out to Gambia and going out to Mongolia uh, were just as fascinating. I actually wasn't aware of the role of a FIFA match agent uh, before talking to Martin there, so learned kind of you know, a couple of couple of things that I, I wasn't really expecting to there. But the futsal part of the, the interview as well was, was great. Um, there's a stereotype of the sport as we talked about in the interview which maybe doesn't bear bear up to reality all that well the, the sport's got a lot more to it than just being football with a slightly different uh, different size of ball uh, and more tricks and, 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 and flicks so yeah great to hear from, from Martin we'd encourage you all to, to try it out uh, either watching the sport uh, on the the, futsal, uh, the Scottish Futsal YouTube channel that we'll put uh, a link on in the show notes uh, but also get along to the event on the 16th of September at the peak in Stirling, uh, try it out for yourself. Sounds like a, an absolutely brilliant opportunity to uh, to get a better feel for for the sport. It certainly does. Um, yeah, that will be that will be a really good event. Free to anyone to go along and, and check out. So all details will be in the show notes. Uh, Alan, what else have we got coming up? Uh, so a couple of things. That are, one thing going live today is the national fans survey. Uh, that we are running um, in partnership with the Scottish Football Association and SPFL. Uh, So that link has gone live probably within minutes of this podcast going out at 9am on Monday, September the 3rd. Um, We've had a very good response to the survey in in the last few years. Um, 12, 13, 14, 15,000 responses most years. We'd like to beat that this year. Uh, We'd like more people responding every single year. Uh, One thing that's slightly different about the survey this year is that it's being used as the start of our three-year benchmarking uh, process um, by the football authorities, so they they're using this uh, the, the questions in this survey to guide improvements for football uh, across Scotland over the next three years. So even more critical that your your voice is heard. That's that's there. really positive because in the past when we've done the surveys that the surveys themselves have been very valuable and we've we've gained a lot of information from it. But 
one of the main criticisms is well you know what's going to change as a result which yeah. is which is always a very fair and just um, argument but yeah we've almost know, almost had to go out and figure out how we how we make a difference as sure. a result of that survey but now it's, it's actually now, built into it in partnership with the SFA and SPFL as you say they're going to use it for their own purposes in terms of how they improve their own services towards supporters as well so yeah. that's a really positive development and um what have we got coming up this weekend? Yeah, this, this weekend, uh, Saturday the 8th of September at Fur Park Motherwell. It's our annual supporter summit. Um, so it's from 10am till 4pm at, at Fur Park that day. We tried to find a day without any football on, but it proved to be impossible. Um, but always- at, at least at least the, the, our, survey only, our summit only clashes uh, with, with one tournament. Um, so the, there's some Challenge Cup games on on Saturday. Uh, if you can only make it for the first half of the summit and then you want to go and watch your team in the in the Iron Brew Challenge Cup, um, feel free to come along for the first few hours and do that. You know, a few others are, are, are going to do that that we know of already. Um, but it should be a busy day. Um, the theme is going to be supporter ownership, uh, part of the reason that we're hosting it at Fir Park. Um, so we're going to you know spend the first couple of hours of the day you know, hearing from some clubs that are in supporter ownership or moving towards it. And then in the second half of the day, there will be some workshop sessions on some more broader topics that will be of interest uh, to you. Uh, there'll be something for everyone. There certainly will be. It's <laughs> going to be jam-packed. That's right. And there will be lunch as well. <laughs> six, six, six workshops in the afternoon. That's so right. we've got uh, Women at the Game, uh, which will be a really interesting presentation from about the group set up by the, Jackie Foster, our, our former colleague, who sadly passed away uh, earlier this year. Um, there's going to be a, a session on support liaison officers, um, one on disability access officers in partnership with the Scottish Disabled Supporters Association. Um, one on your model rules for your trust. So if, if model rules for your trust are always something that you get caught up and come and speak to Nicola who's coming up for the day to come and, and, and just feel free to pick her brains. Um, we've also got a session with Structured Dialogue, which we've, which I'm really looking forward to with Fulham Supporters Trust. And they're going to be talking about their memorandum of understanding with the, with the Premier League club. I'm going to see if Andrew gets the sixth one off the top oh, of his head. Oh, I know, it's been a challenge. <laughs> Fan representatives. Wow, which, he's good. Uh, he's which good. Elaine Miller is going to be facilitating and that's going to be a session where we... Uh, just fan reps can come and, and hear a bit more and learn some best practice and, and share their stories. So it's all designed to help fans get a bigger say in, in the running of their club and improve those lines of communications between clubs and fans, which is really yeah. what Supporters Direct is all about. Yeah, so we're all set for a very good day. Come along and join us. Um, the link to get your ticket will be on the on the show notes. Um, so that's all you really need to know. Um, if you can't see the show notes for some reason, go on to our website yep. uh, and you can get that from there. But we'll be tweeting quite heavily about that over the coming week uh, to make sure that nobody is, uh, is lacking information about the event. No, and we will also, next, next week's uh, podcast will be an overview of the day. So yep. I'll have content from the day. Um, very finally, I'd just like to say congratulations to Scotland's women's team last night. Fantastic uh, performance. Unfortunately, not the two-goal buffer that they needed uh, to put themselves as group leaders over Switzerland, but it was a brilliant performance, a great game, and you never know. they could they, Something could still happen on the last on the last day, which is on Tuesday. So uh, watch them if you can. It'll be on BBC Alba. Great. Thank you for listening, and join us again next week. See you later. Behind the Goals is a Supporters Direct Scotland podcast. You can get in touch with the show by emailing behindthegoals at hotmail.com or you can also tweet the show at SupDirectScott. That's S-U-P-P Direct Scott.